0: Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show, episode 819 of I Doubt It podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and scholarly Brittany Page.
2: So, we have been watching a few different shows that we're really enjoying that we want to talk about. First, I want to talk about The Boys on Amazon, which is a show that you, Jesse, for a long time...
0: Years, in fact.
2: ...told me that I should watch and I said no because I don't tend to enjoy superhero content yeah now I'm not above it there's certainly many superhero movies that I enjoy Logan is a movie that I will cry watching I love that, that movie And the first Wonder Woman was great, the second one, and not so much.
0: I also cried at the first one. (laughs) I cried at the second one for different reasons.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not against it. It's just it's not my, if I'm going to spend my time watching something, I guess my preference is non-superhero content. Yeah,
0: I mean, you're not, we're not a a big Marvel household. I think we've seen most of them. Yeah. But.
2: Yeah, you know. Sure, but I I wasn't convinced that I would like the boys, even though you told me the premise, which is superheroes, but they're bad people. And yeah, that, that's an interesting concept. Well, it's
0: I think it would be more aptly described as superheroes if regular people got superpowers. Mm-hmm. You're, it's not going to be all altruistic individuals who are just looking for the best of mankind, and I'm just a a selfless servant.
2: Sure, there's going to be a
0: lot of assholes.
2: Yes and what i found when i started watching it well first the only reason i started watching it is other people started telling me that it mm. would be good <laughs>
0: so
3: fuck me is what you're saying
2: <laughs> and i thought wow there's so many people that i respect, respect? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> who are telling me that i should watch the show so i did watch it and binged it and it is fantastic complex characters, complex philosophical questions. Yeah. It is a very well-done show. So if you are like me and you have been seeing stuff about the boys on Amazon, but you're like, eh, superheroes, definitely go for it because it is very much worth your time. So
0: thank you, Jesse. It's also filled with diabolical violence and all of the superhero shit is there, amped up to 11.
2: Yeah, for sure. With
0: also... You know, complex moral questions and mm-hmm. all of the other stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. So
0: yes, the boys, very good. And you're welcome, even though you didn't ultimately take my advice. You took somebody else's
2: no, I took your advice, namely, and... should we
0: just say it's Aaron Aaron Rabinowitz?
2: Well, he was the final from one from
0: embrace the void podcast.
2: he was the final he was the final one, the final input that made me go, okay, I've heard it from enough people. I should probably move on this. <laughs> so anyway, We also are watching the rehearsal with Nathan Fielder, Yeah, and if you watched Nathan for You on Comedy Central, you will remember Nathan Fielder as being this very eccentric guy who is very funny, but also...
0: Socially awkward, and...
2: Yeah, I mean, the comedy is...
0: The comedy.
2: Maybe (laughs) uh, a little out there for some people, and some people don't don't get it, or it makes some people uncomfortable. I know for you, Jesse, sometimes when I'm watching Nathan for you, you have to get up and leave the room because you feel yeah. so uncomfortable. Well, it's
0: like secondhand embarrassment or awkwardness. Yeah. Where I uh, It's too much for me a, a lot of times watching that show.
2: Yeah. So the rehearsal, his new show on HBO, is basically an, an answer to the question of can we eliminate uncertainty in life through preparing for various life events i guess yeah
0: where you rehearse that moment an awkward moment over and over and over until you get it perfect yeah yeah
2: in order to eliminate uncertainty and is that possible and it's it's a great show it's very fascinating (laughs) this latest episode was a little out there again but i love nathan fielder i think he's a fascinating person And one episode that sticks out is there's, there's currently a a situation where a woman is debating on whether or not she wants to have a child. And so she's doing a rehearsal surrounding becoming a parent and she's doing like a three month rehearsal where the child is going to go from infant to adult in a three-month period. So they're swapping out different actors. Obviously, the aging is happening over a rapid period yeah. of time. Yeah. <laughs> and when when the child was a baby, they had to use like a robot baby at night because you can't have like a child actor working overnight. There's like rules and regulations surrounding when and how long child actors can work and so at one point, they were using a robot baby. And it reminded me of when I had to take care of a robot baby in high school for my child development class. Now, Jesse, you did not have to take care of a robot baby in school, no. is well, that Well, right? I went
0: to a <laughs> an economically depressed school, mm-hmm. a school at which the only foreign language that was offered mm-hmm. in the 90s was French. You know, the very useful language of French.
2: Yeah, that's an important one. As
0: the only foreign language option. Mm -hmm. So poor. So what we did was painted with Sharpies Uh a face onto an egg.
2: Mm. How did it go?
0: Egg didn't break. (laughs) I don't know.
2: (laughs) Okay. You could just put the egg down. So you had a robot. Yes, a doll that had the ability to cry. With complex
0: programming inside of it that recorded the the instances of crying and for how long it cried. Well, so, so your instructor would have an idea.
2: That's what they told us. But again, oh, wow. so I had a baby that I was supposed to take care of from Friday to Sunday. And I had to work. So I asked my mom <laughs> to take care of it on. I had to work. Maybe one or two days during during that period.
0: Remember, let's preface this story by hashtag raised by wolves.
2: And so I had to work 4 p.m. to midnight was my usual shift after school. And, you
0: know, normal high school work schedule.
2: And so I, my mom was going to take care of the baby. She's had four kids. I thought it would be no problem. Just a robot baby. I get off work, check my cell phone. I have like 30 missed calls, numerous text messages. My mom is panicking. Cannot take care of the baby. Says it won't shut the fuck up. Probably exactly what she said. And And where where was the baby? Well, I got home wrapped in blankets, shoved onto a shelf in the garage, crying. (laughs) And I think, okay, I have failed this assignment because I left this baby in my mother's care. And I got an A. So I don't think it actually tracks what you're doing to it. Maybe, I think it's just meant for torture.
0: Maybe your mom abused it so fiercely that it broke the mechanism within the child that yeah. logged.
2: Well, and here's a little piece that child I... Child
0: abuse is funny.
2: I didn't add to my, my Twitter thread about this, which is the doll was a black doll. Oh, And when I got into the car, when my mom picked me up from school, she asked, why didn't you choose a white one? That was her first question.
0: All the important things your mom's focused on.
2: And I said, well, they didn't have any mom and it shouldn't matter. It's just a doll that we're bringing home. Right. And maybe that played into her not wanting to take care of it. Honestly, I think that reflecting on it now that that was there was some animus. There was there was a problem that she had. Again,
0: hashtag raised by wolves.
2: And I know we, racist wolves. <laughs> yeah, we talked about we talked about how we had Aaron Rabinowitz from Embrace the Void on the show. You recorded an episode with him that has already been released. I recorded an episode with him that he is apparently Saving and never going to release since we recorded it in May. And it's, it's in still- the vault.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's going to be like a Disney release where yeah. they like they 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 stop releasing Little Mermaid and then all of a sudden they release it and uh, everybody goes out and buys it. Yeah, he's going to treat it like that.
2: Yeah. Now apparently it's coming out at the end of the month, so we will definitely. Talk about it when it drops at the end of the month. And it's going to be like
0: dueling episodes, the Jesse D episode and the Brittany P episode.
2: Well, you'll get to hear more about the racist Raised by Wolves, which I don't—I haven't talked about at length like I did with him anywhere. Yeah. So it's really the first time I've sat down with someone for like an hour and just talked about that experience. And there, so. was,
0: there was definitely some um, a discomfort level there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, some anxiety because so, so, it's the first time. Like yeah. even you haven't gone this deep on on our show. Yes. So. Yeah. We're really uh, a little teaser here for the episode I, I just guess. happened all of a sudden. <laughs> Weird. Yes. So anyway, big news in politics. Big news and follow up. There's all kinds of stuff that has gone on that we're going to continue that we're going to talk about, not continue to talk about. Um some Alex Jones stuff. But first let's start with some follow up about uh Brianna Taylor. The f- four of the cops who were involved, we I think we briefly mentioned it last time on the show or no during the the live stream I did on Friday. Yeah. Um four cops involved with that shooting have been arrested by the FBI and are being charged by the federal government for various charges relating the usurpation of her civil rights. Say her name
4: nearly two and a half years after Breonna Taylor died in a hail of police gunfire during a botched drug raid igniting a storm of protest across the country. Today, federal prosecutors charged four current and former Louisville police officers with civil rights offenses, unlawful conspiracy, unconstitutional use of force, and obstruction in connection with a 26-year-old emergency medical technician's death. Brianna Taylor should be alive today. Specifically, Attorney General Merrick Garland accused three officers of lying to a judge to get the search warrant being executed that night as Taylor and her boyfriend slept, neither the target of the raid. We allege that the defendants knew their actions in falsifying the affidavit could create a dangerous situation,
5: and we allege these unlawful acts resulted in Ms. Taylor's death.
4: Prosecutors say the officers tried to cover up their actions afterwards, with two even meeting in a garage late one night and agreeing to tell investigators a false story. It was acknowledged that they violated her constitutional rights as an American citizen who have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The officers have claimed they fired in self-defense after Taylor's boyfriend shot at them. Until now, the only officer charged in the case had been found not guilty of recklessly firing into an apartment next to Taylor's. Her mother, Tamika Palmer, says she has been counting the days for justice. Today's overdue,
6: but it still hurts. I've waited 874 days for today.
4: Louisville's police chief immediately moved to fire the two officers still on the force. And the Justice Department continues a separate investigation into the entire police department's overall policies and practices.
2: So this is good news. I want everyone to remember this clip because it's going to be tangentially related to the Asshole of Today clip, specifically the part of this clip where they talk about the officers meeting in a parking garage and agreeing on the details of a false story to tell investigators, a.k.a. lying coming up with a lie that they were going to tell.
0: It, not only a lie, a lie that they would swear in an affidavit before a judge to get a search warrant.
2: Well, I thought the parking garage situation is after everything went down. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. You're, then-
0: you're, you're sorry, you're absolutely right. They lied about that to concoct the after story. Yeah. What I'm talking about is, li- and what the civil rights lawsuit is going to be uh, in dealing with, mm-hmm. among other things, is the lie that they told, sworn in an affidavit, to justify their search warrant before a judge. Mm-hmm. So it's just they're liars all over the place. Mm-hmm. And what bothers me about this is that the, the the police chief just moves to fire two of them, just now. right? As though he wasn't privy to the details that the federal government was.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This is cops protecting cops. This is bad cops. Because again... If you're a good cop, but you sit on your hands while bad cops do bad cop shit, you're not a good cop. You're one of the bad fucking cops. Right. So listen, I hope, one, I think even local police departments need to act more aggressively toward bad actors in their force. But the federal government certainly has a responsibility to do more to hold cops accountable in misusing the system that results in the death of uncharged innocent citizens, yeah, fucking gross, yeah, we would love to know what you think about this six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine, of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dalmore dot com
2: finally, we have some. Good news about Alex Jones being held accountable, and it looks like he's finally going to face some consequences for his actions.
0: A jury in the Alex Jones trial ordering the conspiracy theorists to pay $45.2 million to parents who lost their six-year-old son in the Sandy Hook massacre for calling it a hoax. The punitive damages awarded today come on top of another multi-million dollar penalty in just the last 24 hours. Here's ABC's Ariel Reshev.
7: Members of the jury have you reached a verdict.
8: Tonight, a Texas jury punishing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones for his lies, ordering him to pay $45.2 million to the family of six-year-old Jesse Lewis, one of the 21st graders and six staff gunned down at Sandy Hook Elementary. The staggering sum on top of four million in compensatory damages marks the first time the Firebrand host has been found financially responsible for spreading false claims about the country's deadliest school shooting. For years, Jones told followers Sandy Hook was a hoax staged by the government to crack down on guns, even calling the victim's parents crisis actors. I don't think you will understand unless there's some form of punishment. The parents of Jesse Lewis testifying on the devastating toll of Jones's lies, years of harassment, violence, and death threats they've had to endure. Jesse. Jones finally admitting on the stand what the world knew years ago about the massacre.
4: It was, especially since I met the parents, and um, it's it's, it's 100% real.
8: Jones's company has filed for bankruptcy and he claims he's lost nearly everything after being banned from platforms like Facebook and YouTube. The judge even admonishing him from the bench.
9: You may not tell this jury that you are bankrupt. That is also not true.
8: Today, an expert for the family testifying he's worth up to $270 million and has withdrawn tens of millions of dollars since he was found liable of defamation in Sandy Hook cases.
10: He lied to make his money. Money, and he's lying to keep his money.
8: And this isn't the end of legal troubles for Jones. He's also facing a lawsuit filed in Connecticut by several other Sandy Hook families and an FBI agent. He's been found liable in that case and faces millions more in
2: damages. Witt.
0: Ariel, thank you.
2: So that's the good news is that he's facing two additional upcoming defamation trials where the expectation there is that there will be additional damages awarded by the juries. Now, Alex Jones's attorneys, you know, the ones who accidentally handed over two years worth of cell phone data. People online were kind of talking about conspiracy theories related to this in terms of how could this possibly be a real thing that the attorneys did, looking for an explanation. I saw before this this outcome of the trial, people were saying that they were going to attempt to use it for a mistrial, and they did, but they tried to declare a mistrial, I think the judge said like 17 other times, yeah. <laughs> and she said that, that that she wasn't going to do that, so...
0: I think it's just, it's just, uh, representational, not a word. Uh, it is a word, but not related to this. It's, it's just lawyer malpractice. It's just incompetence. Mm-hmm. Remember during the, the Muller, the Muller investigation when all these different sides were presenting documents and, and at several times there were conservative lawyers who would try to redact information from, from documents they'd be giving,
2: uh-huh.
0: and they would do it the wrong way, where it could just be electronically unredacted. Mm. That happened all the time. These people just are careless at what they do. They are arrogant and and incompetent. They're fucking incompetent. So I would I would caution the audience to look at looking elsewhere for an explanation when the simplest explanation is they're just dumb fucks.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, and can we talk a little bit about his the money that he? That he has, you know, he claims that he's, he's bankrupt, even though he went on his show and talked about the fact that he is uh, filing for bankruptcy to protect himself from these judgments. Mm -hmm. Uh, They say that that they've estimated he's worth $270 million, Mm -hmm. nearly a third of a billion dollars, Alex Jones, they claim is worth, and they have shown that he has withdrawn 60 plus million dollars in just the last few months since this started happening. So that money is somewhere. This guy's not broke. And even if he were, that is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Alex Jones should die fucking destitute.
2: Well, and the forensic economist that testified said that Alex Jones was actually making more money after being deplatformed from Facebook and Twitter in 2018, which is the opposite of what Alex Jones has said. So I'm not sure how that happened for him. I'm not sure if the donations increased or what prompted him to start making more money after he got deplatformed, but I'm sure he was able to spin that in terms of censored. I know on his videos now when they show them in the courtroom, that at the top right corner it says banned video. So yeah. he's really leaned into the fact that he's been censored and banned. Yeah,
0: well also it's it's kind of a misnomer to say he's been deplatformed although he I mean he's been taken off YouTube and Facebook and Twitter But he's been embraced by the Donald Trump wing of the Republican Party, which is the Republican Party. That's not the wing. Yeah, he's I mean, he was a central figure in the January 6 speeches that led to the insurrection. He's been a central figure in Republican politics since Donald Trump came on the scene. So even though he's not on YouTube, he is still promoted by the Donald Trump people.
2: Right. So there's the question of what happens next. Alex Jones's attorneys are saying that they're going to appeal the damages finding. They're going to argue that evidence that was not meant for the case, including two years worth of cell phone data, was presented to the jury. (laughs) But experts say that this argument is likely not to convince a judge because he is basically grasping at straws and that all of his actions now kind of reek of desperation. And so then there's this aspect of... What about the actual number for the award? So media outlets were reporting immediately what the what the damages award was, but Texas law...
0: Well, there's compensatory damages, which is just compensation for his act, and then there's punitive damages right. to punish him for, for the thing he did, and that's what's being called into question not by enough uh, media outlets. They're naming this number as though it's just carved in stone, and it's not under Texas law.
2: Yeah, so... Alex Jones's attorney is going to appeal and ask for a reduction in damages based on a Texas law that caps punitive damages at $750,000 per plaintiff. But the Sandy Hook attorney, Mark Bankston, says that he believes he can challenge any of that, any of Alex Jones's attempt to reduce the damages by saying, quote, we do not believe punitive damage caps are constitutional as applied to our case, and we'll certainly litigate that issue if necessary. And he went into more detail outside the courthouse.
10: A Practical cap, right? There is a reasonable multiple. Um, and then that is that can be case specific. The Texas Supreme Court kind of decides that what is a reasonable multiple of that. And so once you start approaching more something like 10, 15 times what the compensatory story damage is, now you're over the, you're starting to get over the multiple. So I think um, you know, a, a practical fear for Mr. Jones is is he gonna have to walk out of this courtroom paying fifty million dollars? Or is he going to have to walk out of this courtroom paying $6 million, right? What's the, what's the question here? I certainly don't think that tomorrow the jury is going to come back with a punitive damage verdict of $500,000. I don't think that's happening, right? I, I think the jury clearly made some choices in the room about compensating Scarlett and Neil first and then doing the punitive damages. Uh, I think it's reasonable to expect that Mr. Jones could be in deep, deep trouble.
2: So, Bankston, believes that damages will total at least $4.5 million, accounting for emotional distress, rep- reputational damage, and punitive damages. And he plans to argue against lowering the damages in bankruptcy court, noting that other defamation trials will also lead to additional damages. So this isn't the end of the road, even though Texas is a living hell and not on the side of the people.
0: Yeah, well, this is also just Republican politics run amok in Texas. It's like a a a utopian existence for, for Republican policymakers where tort reform is always talked about, trial lawyers are demonized. And really what it is is protecting corporations and bad actors who have corporations like Alex Jones, protecting them from liability, from culpability, from punishment, from consequence.
2: Accountability. When they
0: hurt someone, when they hurt an individual. So when that individual takes this corporation or this person to court, it limits what that per- that individual can 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 receive,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so it's protecting the, the the large and the moneyed, and not protecting the individual. It, it's it's classic Republican politics, but there are multiple cases moving forward. One of which is in in con- Connecticut. Who, who doesn't suffer from this Republican fucking nonsense, and he's likely going to get dinged real good in that case.
2: Well, I also loved this quote from the Sandy Hook attorney, Bankston, that, uh, as reported by USA Today. Quote, what this is heading towards is there is going to be a large set of plaintiffs who are going to be dividing up the corpse of Infowars in the bankruptcy state. <laughs> Let's go.
0: Well, and that that hopefully they're not allowed to... To get a sweetheart deal, like the Sackler family in the opioid uh, case, where they're held uh, uh, able to not be liable criminally, or they're able to protect certain amounts of their assets. Again, Alex Jones should die destitute.
2: So the January 6th panel, as we talked about on the previous episode, is also asking for Alex Jones's phone records, and the attorney was open about this in court.
9: The parents' lawyer says multiple law enforcement groups are now seeking those texts, including the January 6th committee.
10: Under ...request from various federal agencies and law enforcement to provide that phone, Absent a ruling from you saying you cannot do that, Mr. Banks, that I intend to do so immediately following this. I believe that there is absolutely nothing, nothing that Mr. Engel has done to fulfill his obligations to protect his client and prevent him from doing that are you turning it over to the right I've, I've been I've been asked
9: by the January sixth committee. Okay, CNN senior investigative correspondent Drew Griffin is with us now. So, Drew, explain how those mistakenly disclosed texts were sent and used against Jones in court.
11: Well, if we believe it at face value, they were. Uh, it was a mistake by Jones' own attorneys who inadvertently sent the files to Mark Bankston. There, he is the attorney for the uh, parents in this case and Bankston cleverly used it two ways one To show that uh, Alex Jones was and is and has always been a liar, which is at the heart of this case, but also to reemphasize why we are here in this stage. Remember, there was no trial. Alex Jones was basically lost this case by default after years of failing to disclose information to the plaintiffs. So at this very moment in the trial, the last witness to take the stand, Alex Jones is there under cross-examination. Mark Bankston just hit him right between the eyes with this. 12 days ago,
10: your attorneys messed up and sent me an entire digital copy of your entire cell phone with every text message you've sent for the past two years. As of two days ago, it fell free and clear into my possession. And that is how I know you lied to me when you said you didn't have text message about Samuel. Did you know that?
4: I See, I told you the truth. This is your Perry Mason moment.
11: It certainly was uh, very damning. (laughs) On the January 6th, you know, uh, Alex Jones was called before the January 6th committee. He says he pled the fifth. Also on these messages uh, we learned in court, maybe some intimate language between Alex Jones and his friend Roger Stone who was also called before the January 6th committee and also pled the fifth. Easy to see why the January 6th committee, Allison, would be so interested in what's on that text phone.
0: What in the fiddling fuck are they talking about? Intimate language in text messages between Roger Stone and Alex Jones.
2: I've seen that phrase written in several different articles, and I ask myself the same question.
0: Like, is he describing... Like a dick pic? Like in words? Like, What are they talking about?
2: I, I
0: have to know.
2: <laughs> so
0: if you're worried about whether or not the DOJ is going to get a hold of these, one, they're going to request them. They're going to get their hands on them. But even if they don't, if it falls into the hands of Congress, which the judge, by the way, said... I'm not that's not part of my job. Mm-hmm. I'm not get I think literally what she said is I'm not gonna get in between you and Congress. That's none of my that's not my job. She did. And if they if if the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection gets them, there will likely be a criminal referral. And um the DOJ is gonna end up with these anyway.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I'm excited for the intimate language. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What does that? Well, listen, Roger, Roger Stone is a nut a sack. He's a weirdo. And who knows what could be contained in there? We'll just leave it there. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> uh, I'm excited, though. Yeah. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think about this. Have you been following this case? What are your thoughts? 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at
10: I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash Podcast.
2: We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters TGQ. TGQ. Lillian R.
0: Lillian R.
2: Crystal H.
0: Crystal H.
2: And Massio S.
0: Massio S. Thank you
2: so very much for your support on Patreon. Now, we were going to do a Patreon giveaway. And, And listen, we are doing the Patreon giveaway. But what happened was I'd made the post on Facebook. I made the post on Twitter. And then I went to post it on Patreon. And I got an alert on Patreon that they have new rules surrounding giveaways.
0: Yeah, they call it raffles or giveaways.
2: Yes. And... Primarily what the rule is, is that the giveaway needs to be open to all and not just Patreon supporters. So here's what we're doing. We are going to give three pieces of merch to current Patreon supporters in, in, in a raffle form. We're going to randomly draw the names of three people who were Patreon supporters before July 31st. And then we are going to randomly give away three pieces of merch to anyone who became a Patreon supporter after August 1st or...
0: In the month of August.
2: In the month of August. So August 1st to the end of August. And we're including in that group... Anyone who wants to participate in the contest, but does not become a Patreon supporter. And so if you want to participate in the contest, but cannot become a Patreon supporter for whatever reason, you can send an email to idoubtit at in the subject line, write Patreon giveaway. Give us your name and give us one reason you love the show.
0: And then you're included.
2: And then you're included.
0: And then we get to skirt the fucking stupid rules of some people.
2: So, <laughs> we, as soon as the alert came up, my thought was we cannot do something that's against the rules of Patreon because we definitely rely on Patreon. Yeah. And so we definitely want to be within Patreon's rules and guidelines. And by adding in that third pool of people that do not necessarily become Patreons, but can still enter the contest. We are within the Patreon guidelines. Yes. So we are doing a giveaway. If you're an existing Patreon before August 1st, you're already in. You don't need to do anything. We're going to randomly select three names if you become a Patreon during the month of August, anytime between August 1st and the end of the month, you are entered in to the contest. If you email us and say you want to be in the contest, but you don't become a Patreon supporter, you are in the contest. Okay?
0: Just that easy.
2: All right. We're excited. So thank you to all of our existing Patreon supporters. Thank you for to our new Patreon supporters. We could not do this without the listener support without the community of listeners that keep us going and keep us on our toes and keep us doing what we need to do to stay with it. So thank you so much.
0: All right, moving on. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism.
2: Donald Trump's lawyers are talking to the Justice Department about the January 6th criminal probe.
7: This morning we have exclusive new CNN reporting. Donald Trump's lawyers are now in direct talks with the Justice Department about their criminal investigation of January 6th. The talks are said to be focused on whether conversations the former president had can be kept from investigators under executive privilege. CNN's Caitlin Palance is live for us in Washington with this very latest. Caitlin, what can you tell us? Brianna, they're
9: talking. That's Justice Department criminal investigators looking into January 6th and Donald Trump's fence lawyers. And what they're talking about right now is these conversations that Trump was having in the White House and his interest in keeping those conversations uh, essentially from the federal grand jury probe. This development, and it's a notable one as we try to understand how much this criminal investigation is about Trump, it comes as part of the story of grand jury activity we've seen in recent weeks. Specifically, we know of those two top officials who worked for Mike Pence, and then the two Pats, Cipollone, Phil from the White House Counsel's Office, all being subpoenaed to testify to the grand jury in D.C. But what we know of their testimony so far from the separate House investigation is those four have not been willing at this time to talk about direct conversations they had or witnessed with Trump, So over the last week, a court fight between the Justice Department and Trump over executive privilege has been brewing. We're expecting that that could take place uh, under seal. And that's where these direct talks come in. They're about Trump trying to prevent more disclosures to the grand jury uh, about himself before and on January 6th. So history suggests he may not be successful in that because the Justice Department may be able to get access. But I also want to take a step back for a second. This first indication of direct talks. Is pretty telling about what the Justice Department is looking to learn. What's also pretty telling is what we are learning is happening behind the scenes with Trump and his lawyers. Our reporting team on this, we have heard from multiple sources that there is concern among Trump's lawyers that he could be indicted. They're working on defense strategies right now. But Trump being Trump, he's skeptical. Brianna, we have heard he's still keeping ties with people who may become central in this probe even though his advisors tell him that may not be the best idea. Back
7: to you. Yeah, indeed. Caitlin Polance. Thank you so much.
2: So after I watched this, I checked my email and I had an email from the Donald Trump campaign (laughs) that said, let's sue CNN in the subject line. Yeah. And in the body of the email friend, (laughs) that's how they all start. Friend, I have notified CNN of my intent to file a lawsuit over their repeated defamatory statements against me. I will also be commencing actions against other media outlets that have defamed me and defrauded the public. As the 45th president of the United States, I will never stop fighting for the truth and for the future of our country. But I need to know that I can count on you.
0: He wants money. Again... (laughs) the 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 quarter billion dollar grift that took place after the election where it was the the election defense fund which didn't exist it just went into his pack
2: yeah yeah. Ugh. So one of the people that he has been advised to stop associating with is Mark Meadows. Yeah. Uh, according to reporting, and he is not listening to the people that are telling him to stop associating with certain people. Which
0: is also, you know, part and parcel pattern and practice for Donald Trump to ignore the advice of counsel, people who are, uh, although doing their jobs poorly, trained and understand the law and know where his liabilities lie.
2: Yeah. So Donald Trump continues to have control over the Republican Party. Like you mentioned, Jesse, it's not just a wing of the Republican Party. It seems to be increasingly the Republican Party. And there is evidence in that in the successful win of Carrie Lake in the Arizona Republican primary race for governor. She has been declared the winner.
7: And we begin with breaking news in the race for Arizona's governor. <laughs>
9: Carrie Lake has won the Republican nomination. The former TV news anchor beat out businesswoman Karen Taylor Robeson and will take on Democrat Katie Hobbs in November.
11: Team 12's Bianca Bono is live up in our alert center with the developing details. Bianca?
9: Well
5: guys, AP called this race for Carrie Lake after Maricopa County dropped tens of thousands of ballots tonight. Moving Lake ahead in Maricopa and every other county in the state solidifying her victory over for Karen Taylor-Robeson after a hotly contested race that gained national attention. Lake, the former news anchor, was endorsed by former President Trump and now joins the list of Trump-endorsed candidates in Arizona to win their primary elections. That includes Blake Masters in the race for Senate and Mark Fincham for Secretary of State, all who promote the false claim that Trump won the election in 2020. Lake had previously stated she would not accept the results of this primary election if she had lost. She declared victory yesterday at a press conference. Let's take a listen to her message to the Republican Party after a vicious campaign. Because we truly want to bring the Republican Party together. And I'm hoping that Karen Taylor Robeson, who put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this battle, will come in and work with us as well. And Taylor Robeson had an early lead over Lake on election night, but that lead quickly vanished as more results were released. The real estate developer shattered spending records, putting more than $15 million of her own money into her campaign. She was endorsed by former VP Mike Pence and Governor Ducey. On Sunday Square off, Bram Resnick asked Taylor Robeson if she would back Lake if she lost. Take a listen.
11: Will you pledge to support Carrie Lake if she is the Republican nominee for governor?
8: I have always supported Republican nominees. That is the history of my and the story of my life. And I will always support the Republican nominee. So that's a yes. That's that's you can you you can extrapolate from what I just said. <laughs> yes. Sir. Yes. I mean,
4: yes. Yes. That's yes. a yes.
5: Yes, but a yes. And we have reached out to Taylor Robson's team for comment tonight, but so far, we have not heard back. Again, Lake will take on Democrat Katie Hobbs in November. We're live in the Alert Center. Bianca Bono, 12 News.
0: All right.
2: So, moderate Republican, the better Republican. Right is going to vote for the election denier who says that there was a fraudulent election, that Donald Trump is actually president. She doesn't care. She's going to vote for Kerry Lake anyway. So what's the point in yeah. even distinguishing yourself during a campaign from the radical, quote-unquote, radical part of the Republican Party when you are going to keep them in power? I've always voted for Republicans. I'm going to continue to vote for Republicans. That's the
0: story of my life, she said.
2: What a great story. <laughs> Fantastic.
0: And not only did Kerry Lake promote and endorse the idea that Donald Trump was cheated out of the election, she promoted the idea that she was cheated out of the election before the winner was announced. Right. When it looked like Robeson was still, would well, not when it looked like she, when, when Robeson was still the leader, Yeah, Carrie Lake was like, this is fraudulent. There is fraud. We've got all these instances of fraud that we're already being told about. This is fraudulent. I'm being cheated. And now that she's the winner fucking well uh, here we go crickets nothing coming from her now it's the same bullshit game that only morons believe
2: well and she continued to say when asked by reporters when the votes were still being counted she she emphasized when all of the legal votes have been counted right. i will be the winner
0: and then it, and then it, how she won was a la, like a last minute late uh dump of ballots which is Exactly what Donald Trump right. fed his lie about. Right. Oh, this is, this is fraud.
2: Mm-hmm. No, it's just
0: how shit works.
2: Yes. So what's so scary about these Trump candidates that are winning their elections for governor or for secretary of state is that they are running on the promise, essentially, that as long as they have power, as long as they have control over elections, that Democrats will never win a presidential election in their state ever again. That's
0: exactly right.
2: And that's what's so scary about people like Carrie Lake getting into a position of power is that we're 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 going to lose the ability to have control over elections. I mean, and it's it's, it, it's really scary.
0: It's more concerning in Arizona too because she's not like a Dr. Oz type who welcomed Donald Trump in his endorsement and then as soon as the primary turned Remove Donald Trump from all of his social media. Trying to move to the middle a little bit. Trying to be more of a palatable candidate for your mainstream voter, your independent, your your you know your regular regular voter. That's not going to happen, in my estimation, in Arizona. Uh, Carrie Lake and uh, this master's ding dong, that idiot who's running for Secretary of State, who's the like uh, an unhinged voter fraud psychopath, Mark Fincham, Fincham, right. They're not going to try to move to the middle. They're just going to fully embrace this because they believe that the Nutter Butter faction in Arizona is strong enough to carry them in a general election. This is why it's so important if you live in Arizona to get involved, to get organized, to contact your local party at the precinct level, at the state level, at the county level. And get involved, get on the ground, go canvassing, put in the work, the actual hours, stop thinking about it, stop saying I wonder what it takes to do it, just go do it, it's so important.
2: Right, because Carrie Lake says that she wouldn't have certified Biden's 2020 election victory in the state, and Mark Fincham, like you said, the the nominee for Secretary of State, he was involved in Trump's fake elector scheme and has pushed for the state legislature to have authority to reject election outcomes. I mean, this is what they are campaigning on. This is what they are saying that they will do. This is what they're saying their position is. And if they win, it's over.
0: Right. And if this this Supreme Court case out of North Carolina that's working its way that's been accepted by the court to hear it's the same that that's the same type of a power they're going to be able to give that they're going to give every state legislature across the country which is going to take the knees out of democracy itself and just allow the idiots in the state houses the state legislatures make the decision it's it's anti-democratic and we are on the verge of losing everything you have to get involved
2: and this isn't just a problem in Arizona you also have Nevada where the secretary of state Nominee Jim Marchant participated in the fake elector scheme and has said that he wouldn't have certified Biden's victory yeah. either. You also have in Michigan the gubernatorial nominee Tudor Dixon who has said that Donald Trump won the state. And then Christina Caramo, the GOP candidate for secretary of state in Michigan, has spread lies suggesting that Trump won the state in 2020. So this isn't just an Arizona problem. This is Donald Trump candidates in different states that if they get into positions of power, elections are going to be forever changed.
0: And keep this in mind. If they are able to, to steal our democracy crush our democracy they will be able to implement at a federal level any policy they want it will turn into what has happened just this week in indiana but on a federal level indiana becomes the first state to approve a near total ban on abortion.
7: The motion to concur is placed on its passage and machine is open. The Republican run state legislature advanced the measure late Friday, despite some GOP lawmakers opposing it for going too far. Republican Governor Eric Holcomb signing it within minutes of its passage. The sweeping new restrictions go into effect September 15th and include exceptions for when the mother faces risk of death or for victims of rape and incest. Currently, women can get abortions in Indiana up to 22 weeks of pregnancy. Under the bill, the procedure may only be performed in hospitals or affiliated outpatient centers. This bill provides protections for the unborn. Most importantly, it exemplifies the value of
8: human life. People
2: are demanding that their voices be heard by this legislature, to demand equal rights under the law, to have the same control over their body that is guaranteed to any man in Indiana.
7: The White House calling the ban, quote, devastating and a radical step by Republican legislators to take away women's reproductive rights. Urging Congress to pass a law, quote, restoring the protections of Roe, the only way to secure a woman's right to choose nationally. Eli Lilly, one of Indiana's biggest employers, saying the law will force the U.S. drug maker to look to grow its business elsewhere. It comes just days after Kansas overwhelmingly rejected an amendment that would have removed abortion protections from the state constitution. The outcome seen as a bellwether nationwide for voter opposition to stricter abortion laws, poised to be a key issue in the November midterms. Monica Alba, NBC News, the White House.
2: So the New York Times recently did an analysis after the Kansas vote, and they found that four out of five states would back abortion rights in a similar vote if a vote was held on abortion rights. And since we're talking about Indiana here with the the ban being signed, if a similar vote like we had in Kansas was held in Indiana, according to this New York Times analysis of the results, 58% fifty eight percent of individuals in Indiana would vote to uphold abortion rights, yeah, so again, you have a situation where the Republicans are exerting minority rule over a population that would otherwise vote to support and uphold the right to abortion in that state
0: and let me Let me remind the audience that when you hear clips like this and you hear the people these these fucking fascist enablers cheering celebrating that Roe is being overturned, and you you hear in the background of this particular clip people cheering that abortion is being just completely um, taken away, the right the right to abortion health care. Know that they're not, just because they're loud, doesn't mean that it's an equal parts kind of an argument here. The vast majority of the American people, the people in a democracy, that's what matters. Mm-hmm the the vast majority of of people in the state are opposed to that group that's cheering so loudly so it's it's important to keep that in mind that mm-hmm. that the, the 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 numbers that you just that you just read mm-hmm. absolutely the people agree that abortion rights are constitutional rights and absolutely should be protected and we're living under this bizarre fascist theocracy that is being able to get a legislation pa- or get uh, rights taken away through their anti-democratic tactics.
2: Right. And I, I want to say, I think when you introed the clip, you said that Indiana becomes the first state to approve a near total abortion ban. It's since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So of course, there have been other states that are banning abortion. We know that. But this is the first since Roe v. Wade was overturned.
0: Yeah. So in other news, more uplifting news. The Senate has been working through the weekend to pass this um, inflation reduction Reduction act. Act. Right? (laughs) They 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 got uh, um, Kyrsten Sinema to 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 buy on to the bill, but only if they took away these um, only if they were able to protect hedge fund managers through their particular tax incentives. That's the one thing that was hanging her up on supporting this. And right now, they're currently in the Senate working through a voterama, a process by which the other side can throw all kinds of wacky amendments. And even some Democrats have done this, knowing that any amendment that passes this entire bill is dead. But here, that's where we are right now.
8: So the bill, known as the Inflation Reduction Act, includes nearly $370 billion to fight climate change. It also allows Medicare to negotiate some drug prices, caps Medicare out-of-pocket costs at $2,000, and extends Affordable Care Act subsidies. Also, it imposes a 15% minimum corporate tax on the largest U.S. companies
11: and Chief Congressional Correspondent Manu Raju rejoins us, still looking fresh still looking good, annoyingly so. <laughs> Manu, look, I'm not going to ask you the question that everybody on Capitol Hill hates, which is when is the Senate going to finish this today? But I do want to know uh, where how is the process playing out right now? And is there anything you see that could derail what seems to be a pretty straight line Democrats have in the Senate right now?
1: Nothing is going to derail this, but you know, everyone hates asking that question, but I'm actually asking that question to pretty much every senator I see, and I've just had a chance to talk to a bunch as they've been milling around the Senate chamber. No one has any estimate, because under the rules of the Senate, you can offer as many amendments as you want, go as long as you want to try to change, scuttle, derail parts of this bill because of the procedure Democrats are employing here, which is trying to pass this along straight party lines through the budget process. That cannot be filibustered, but this is why this is so significant, because Democrats, if they keep their caucus totally in line, they can get this through. But because they've used this process under the rules of the Senate, any senator can offer any amendment they want. There is no time limit. Uh, A bunch of senators just told me several hours to go, four to five hours at least. John Thune, the number two Republican, told me 19 more amendment votes. And each amendment vote could take 20 minutes or so, if not longer. And then they can get to final passage. But ultimately, Democrats are in line of achieving a significant win for their party after more than a year of internal party wrangling. They have managed to fend off Republican attempts to change the bill, whether it's to go after the new IRS agents that would be hired to enforce tax laws, go after immigration on energy issues. A whole range of Republican efforts have fallen short here because Democrats have stayed united in trying to keep this bill forward that would allow Medicare for the first time the power to negotiate prescription drug prices, also impose a 15% corporate minimum tax, extend the Affordable Care Act subsidies for three years. Significant issues, but one significant issue will come up later today, I'm told by John Thune, is that the, the Republicans plan to go after the $35 cap on insulin that has been a key part of this package that Democrats have put forward. Under the rules of the Senate, Republicans are likely to succeed in that endeavor. Democrats have essentially dared Republicans to try to strip out that measure, expecting them to get some backlash at the polls if they do just that. But Thune indicated to me they do plan to go ahead here but nevertheless the ultimate outcome seems not in doubt at the moment which is Democrats passing this bill sometime today but who knows when.
2: When he is saying he being Manu Raju from CNN fantastic when people shit on Media organizations as a whole, I I get a little uncomfortable because there are often reporters working for these organizations that are very good. And I think the better practice is to find those good reporters and like follow them on Twitter so that you are following them directly, following their reporting directly. And Manu Raju is one of them because he's exactly right. What has come out now, Sunday is that the Republican lawmakers successfully stripped that $35 price cap on the cost of insulin from this legislation. So they were successful in that. They yeah. went after it, and they are successful.
0: Yeah, it really is, is emblematic of... It, it's... Who do Republicans champion? Mm-hmm. Who do conservatives want to represent? Because it's clearly not the people they are getting in the way of a $35 per month cap on insulin for people who need it to live, to survive. That's what they're going after. They're going after an increase in the budget that would allow the IRS to have more agents to go after tax cheats. That's what they oppose. Like who the fuck is their constituency? Mm -hmm. Clearly. It's not regular everyday Americans. Mm-hmm. It's large corporations. It's people who have enough money to to cheat the IRS. It's pharmaceutical companies who want to make record-breaking profits on the back of sick people.
2: Well, and that's what you keep hearing from Republicans like Senator Lindsey Graham who said that this legislation will only hurt everyday Americans, and yet he's a part of the party who wants to strip the price cap on insulin from the legislation. Democrats want it to apply to patients on Medicare and private insurance. Now Republicans left the portion that applies to Medicare patients, but they stripped it from other patients, not on Medicare.
0: Just heartbreaking. Gross.
2: Well, and let's talk about Kristen Cinema for a minute. So, it was the carried interest tax provision that she wanted removed. She has long been opposed to this uh, tax provision, and it is long
0: a- since she's been a United States senator not long since she was in Congress and when she was a party member of the Green Party and a, a, a self-described progressive Democrat. Not then, only now that she's a senator.
2: Sure, and knowing that she is cozy with Wall Street, it makes sense that she wanted to remove yeah. <laughs> a, a carried interest tax provision that would close essentially a loophole that reduces taxes for some wealthy Americans like hedge fund managers. And we
0: don't mean wealthy Americans like you make a couple hundred grand a year. We're talking about billionaires. We're talking about people who are the richest in our country those people are being protected directly by Kirsten Cinema
2: and Chuck Schumer defended removing this by saying there's no other way we could have successful negotiations with Cinema she would have she would have stood in the way she would have voted no yeah and in order to get her vote on this we had to get rid of the carried tax carried interest tax provision yeah that's what she wanted so Kristen Cinema again making another it clear, fucking
0: arizona ghoul
2: making it clear that she is indeed cozy with wall street just reinforcing that for everyone to see with her priorities in negotiations with the democrats so there's going to continue to be debates throughout sunday i would assume i don't know how much longer this is going to go it's already been all night that's why they were praising mono and his appearance of how good he looked right. at the beginning of the clip because he's <laughs> been up all night <laughs> with the senators so we we will see how things go but it is expected to pass
0: and as always we'd love to hear from you 657-464-7609 program that number into your phone or our email address idoubtit at dollamore.com it's the asshole
6: today.
2: New Orleans Mayor LaToya Cantrell.
0: LaToya Cantrell.
2: I know this seems odd. The New Orleans mayor. We love New Orleans. It's one of our favorite vacation destinations. We love to eat there. We love to have tasty drinks there. It's a great and fun place. It's probably
0: my favorite city in the country.
2: But unfortunately, the mayor is calling for an end to What is called the police consent decree because there's been an officer shortage. Now, the police consent decree is something that was put in place after widespread malpractice within the police department in new orleans and it basically provides a list of principles to ensure that the police are operating within the confines of what their duties should be under the constitution
0: it's a watchdog that's put in place federally to make sure that a a rogue police department or a police department that's been found to be rogue in the past Adheres to the rules and operates properly.
2: And now apparently the mayor is calling this a handcuff on the police department and she wants it removed.
0: So we just want to establish that if you have a consent degree placed on your police department, it's not because of any other reason other than you run a corrupt and dangerous and rogue department that's why you end up with a consent decree
2: right so first you're going to be hearing from the police department i believe this is the police chief that is speaking and then later in the clip you're going to be hearing from the mayor and i want you to note how similar the airing of grievances is here to what we hear from donald trump
3: this day and age is very very under very difficult and challenging times And the only way we're going to get through this is together. When I say together, not just as a department, but as a city.
6: Right now, NOPD has only around 900 officers on the force, an all-time low since nearly 100 officers left the department this year alone, a problem leadership says they're focusing on.
3: Our priorities are retention, recruitment, resources.
6: To help bring in new recruits and keep the ones they have, NOPD is giving officers more equipment, including 75 new cars
3: and ensuring that they have the equipment that is needed to keep themselves safe safe, so that they can keep our city safe.
6: In adding civilians to the force to respond to non-emergency calls, also the mayor says the city will be filing a petition to end the consent decree for once and for all.
4: The consent decree handcuffs our officers by making their jobs harder, pestering them with punitive punishment, and burying them with paperwork,
6: but the main thing city leaders say is forcing the officers to leave is the lack of support from the public.
4: You're dogging out the people that we've consistently depended on, time and time again. That show up.
6: They also pointed some of the blame at the local media.
3: I recall the the award ceremonies we've had. You don't show up. You, thank you. You don't show up. <laughs> I was going to say that we we invite you to the we invite you to acknowledge the good work. That our officers do, and we never see you. Never. But if they did something wrong, right there, we have everyone on on, on that scene.
6: But I know here at WDSU, we have covered some of those academies. We have been to some of those graduations, and we, we appreciate
4: that. The last ones, you were not.
6: Even the last week, we did cover the investigators being hired. How is WDSU a part of the problem when we are covering the good and the bad that's going on?
4: Well, it's how you cover it, and it's your headlines. It's how you do it. In New
6: Orleans, I'm Cassie Sherm, WDSU Investigates.
0: Look, if we beat citizens and abuse citizens and kill citizens, we're going to quit if you, if you handcuff us. If you make us not do those things, we're going to quit en masse, and then our leaders are going to complain about the fact that it's too hard to retain these bad fucking cops. Mm-hmm. And then you blame the media. If you don't come to our award ceremonies, you mean the awards that bad cops are giving each other? They're not going to those, so the media, it's their fault? Get the fuck out of here.
2: That's why I referenced Trump. It felt very Trump-esque to say that the problem is with the reporting of the problems and not highlighting enough of the, essentially, propaganda why don't you
0: why don't you have good news segments? <laughs> like yeah, yeah, the guy got beat, the guy got falsely arrested, the guy has had his life ruined, but what about the good stories? Yeah. What about all the awards we give the cops? Shut the fuck up.
2: Well, and I again, the consent decree was born out of the unconstitutional conduct of the police department. And so it is providing guidelines to ensure that the police are operating within their constitutional duties. Right. So if you're complaining that that is handcuffing your officers' conduct and their ability to do their job, frankly, I'm curious about what specifically you're talking about.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait. You're going to make me uh, abide... By the Constitution? Well, that's too much. I'm out of here. You know what? Get the fuck out of here.
2: I mean, i that's what's so confusing about this, this clip. And then they're saying that another factor is the lack of public support. Again, you would have more public support if you behaved better, yeah. if you treated the public with respect, if you behaved in a way that was deserving of the public's respect. Yeah,
0: go watch... For those of you who have HBO Max, go watch We Own This City, which is a true story of what took place in the aftermath of Freddie Gray's murder with Baltimore. Where there was also a consent decree, a consent decree play a dissent decree, a consent decree placed on the city. Go go watch that because that's emblematic of these larger cities, those mid-level large cities in America and how their police departments abuse the citizenry, abuse the power that they've been granted as armed agents of the state.
2: And I will, I will admit that it's possible I'm ignorant over the extent of the consent decree and what, exactly, what it actually does. But in my reading about it, I just I don't see how it would be useful to let up on the rules and regulations surrounding ensuring that these police officers are doing their their job, doing their duty, because if you relax the rules and regulations that keep them doing the right thing, right. what's going to happen? It seems like they're going to go backward into a place where they are then violating people's rights. If they
0: were able to manage themselves, they wouldn't need the fucking guardrails of a consent decree.
2: And what's interesting is she's also saying that they want to relax the grooming standards as well, like allowing police to wear shorts, allowing beards, allowing fingernail polish. I mean, are these the reasons that you're losing police officers is that they can't have a beard?
0: Uh, Well, also, I can't imagine that a consent decree. I mean, maybe that's part of it. But yeah, okay, let them have a beard. Great. You know what I'm concerned about? Abusing the citizenry, acting extra constitutionally—that's the th- th- those are the things I'm worried about. Paint your nails, fucking woohoo, go crazy, but ab- abide within the confines of the document that the rest of us have to follow.
2: Jesse, don't pretend like you haven't quit a job because you couldn't wear shorts at your job. Okay. <laughs>
0: I tell you what, how many times in the Marine Corps was I ready to fucking call it quits? <laughs> no shorts? This is outrageous.
2: I know. It's <laughs> Listen, if you want to be a cop and there are things about the job, like the grooming standards or that you have to follow the Constitution, Then maybe you shouldn't be a cop.
0: Yeah. Maybe those are the. Grooming standards or the fact that you have to follow the Constitution.
2: I mean, maybe it's not for you, bro. Yeah. Right? For
0: sure. I mean, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's whiny. It's entitled. It's what it is. It's a spoiled generation of cops who have looked upon for years officers being able to trample the rights of citizens. And they're like, wait, well, that. They used. I want to do that, too. (laughs) What is happening? Why do we have to follow the rules for timely memoriam? That's not been the case. Why now? Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Asshole of today, Latoya Contrell, and really, the New Orleans Police Department in general.
2: Yes,
9: yes.
0: Yeah. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at dollamore.com. We would also invite you to help support and produce what we do here right on the show. Got a cadence going. Go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. We'd love to have you be a part of the Patreon family. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt it.